Two sermons on the Psalms today. This morning we heard a passage uh, or a, a sermon on Psalm 87, and this evening God's Word comes to us from Psalm 100. And so if you would turn there in your pew Bibles with me, I'd like to read this uh, short psalm and then meditate just briefly on this passage tonight. Psalm 100. The psalmist writes, under the inspiration of God's Spirit, "'Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise.' Give thanks to Him, bless His name, for the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Well, friends, if you've ever worked uh, in the food service industry, uh, you know that if you want to do your job well, if you want to do your job successfully, it really helps to genuinely care about the people that you're serving. Uh, at very least, you have to appear to care for them. You have to at least uh, give the impression that you care about them. Uh, while she was in college, uh, my wife worked for a year uh, at Chick-fil-A, and she did everything. She cleaned tables. Uh, she squeezed the lemons to make lemonade. She uh, multitasked at the service window. She did all the things that I'm not capable of doing. And although she has a genuine servant's heart, there were times when she had to admit that she, she felt like she was sort of going through the motions. She was sort of playing a role as she uh, repeated the Chick-fil-A trademark, my pleasure uh, thousands and thousands of times to customers of all stripes and dispositions, uh, some of whom were, in fact, not much of a pleasure to serve. Customer service is hard, if any of you have experienced it. The person you're serving may be difficult uh, to deal with. They may be downright annoying, and in cases like that, your service to them uh, is somewhat forced it's obligatory. It's, it's not offered necessarily with a, a genuine heart filled with gladness. But an effective employee must nevertheless give service with a smile. In contrast, Psalm 100 teaches us that the service that we owe to God, uh, the worship that we are commanded to give to God is very different from that kind of obligatory, forced service. And one thing we're going to notice together tonight as we look at this psalm is that this psalm is characterized by seven commands that call us to serve God in a very specific way. We are called to serve Him with genuine, heartfelt gladness. God calls us to serve Him and to worship Him as an expression of genuine gladness and joy, not only for what He has done, but for who He is. 
But the psalm helps us see something else. It helps us understand that, that our worship, our service to God, should take on this genuine character, not only because we are God's servants, but because we are His children. We are His sheep. And we're going to notice that the cause or the reason for our glad and joyful service and worship is that we have been made the special covenant possession of God who cares for us, this passage says, as the sheep of His pasture. As I said, this psalm is sort of characterized or punctuated by seven commands, and, and these commands help us understand the character of the service and the worship that pleases God. And these aspects of our glad service are not hard to, to find here and pick out in this passage. We read here, first of all, that, that serving the Lord means making a joyful noise. In verse 1, the psalmist says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Earlier I read from Psalm 66, and we read that Psalm 66 verse 1 calls us to shout for joy. Uh, serving the Lord, uh, worshiping Him with gladness involves singing. Look at verse 2. Come into His presence, the psalmist says, with singing. Now, we must not forget that, that part of our spiritual service to God is making use of cultivating this built-in instrument that God has given to us as His people. God has given all of His creatures voices, and, and He's given those to us for the purpose of extolling and, and exalting and proclaiming the name and the glory of God. We don't have the option of neglecting that gift. Uh, we may not despise the gift of the voices that God has given to us. We may not be frightened of using that gift. Uh, some of you know, if you've read the bulletin, that on the first Sunday evening of the month at the, uh, the Freeman compound, uh, we have something called hymns and hangout. And that's a time uh, for everyone, but especially our young adults, our young people, our shielders, to gather together for fun, for food, and fellowship, but then we sit around for 20 minutes to a half an hour, and without any musical accompaniment, we sing. We glorify the Lord with our voices. Some of us have trained voices. Others of us are just learning to discover our voices. But God has given us these built-in instruments to cultivate and enjoy and use for His glory, for His praise, to serve the Lord with gladness. And we can't neglect that gift. The psalmist goes on and he says that, that serving the Lord with gladness is also about thanksgiving. It's about praise. It's about blessing God's name. It's about acknowledging who God is and what He's done. Look at me at verse 3. The psalmist says, No, acknowledge that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. An important, necessary part of our service to God is recounting, bringing to mind all of His benefits towards us. 
to recount in our mind what He has done and to give Him thanks for those things. Our service to God involves making a conscious decision to call to mind who God is, all that He has done, because those truths furnish and give, give uh, strength to our rejoicing. And sometimes it's the case in our lives that joyful service, uh, joyful worship is lacking in our lives. And I suspect that in those times, it's often the case because we have not stopped to acknowledge all that God is and all that He has done for us. Sometimes we live our lives much like our unbelieving neighbors. We sort of muddle through life. We move from task to task, paycheck to paycheck, and we don't carve out time in our lives to meditate on the fact of who God is. We don't pause and think about the fact that God is our sovereign creator, that He has given us our life, that He's called us His own, that He has remade us and given us new life in Jesus Christ by His good pleasure and will. We don't take the time to meditate on the wonderful fact that, that God, by the same grace with which He saved us, is also guiding us every single day as our perfect heavenly Father. We often fail to pause and worship Him with gladness for these things. And we fall into that ungodly pattern when we don't follow the pattern that God has created for our lives that enables us to have these moments for restful pause and praise. And we notice that that pattern is especially climaxed in the day of the Lord's worship, the Lord's day. The context of this psalm is the worship of Israel. Look at verse 4. The psalmist commands Israel, enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. The people of Israel were to enter the gates of the Lord's temple with thanksgiving. They were to enter uh, the temple with heartfelt worship acceptable to God. The psalm called Israel to follow that divine pattern for their lives, a pattern that, that, that came to its climax in their Sabbath day rest and worship. A day, a time set aside from the rest of the week to, to recount the goodness and the faithfulness of God, to hear His Word, to utter His praise, to rest in the unbounded faithfulness and blessings of God. And we're called to do the same. We're called to do the same. Because when our personal lives, when our family lives lack this godly structure, we can only be lacking in the joyful gratitude and heartfelt service that God calls us to give. If we don't follow that pattern that God has set for our lives, which climaxes on the day of worship, our lives can only be filled with self-centeredness and pride when we don't heed God's call to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. 
Martin Luther is certainly correct when he says this whole section of the Psalms speak against our pride. It calls us to reject our prideful failure to acknowledge God and all that He has done, all of His good gifts. It calls us instead to, to glorify Him, to offer Him joyful and thankful service. And so Psalm 100 commands us to serve the Lord, but not in a half-hearted way, not out of mere obligation. We don't have to offer God a grudging service like we might offer to a difficult customer or a demanding boss. We have the freedom and every reason to serve Him, not just with a smile, but with genuine, heartfelt gladness because He is our God and He has made us for Himself. But this psalm also outlines the cause or the reason for our joyful service. And the reason why we can offer God this joyful praise and service, the fruit of lips to declare His name, is because we have been made the objects of His steadfast covenant love. God has made us, the psalmist says, the sheep of His pasture. Psalm 100 and and really all the psalms that surround it uh, are about God's covenant faithful love for His church. And of course, when David wrote this psalm, he was writing about God's love for a specific people, a specific nation, the people of Israel. And all throughout the Old Testament, especially in Deuteronomy 32, for example, we read that God created His people out of nothing. He loves them as a father. He says to Israel, I made you, I formed you. And even though Israel repeatedly forsook God, even though they they rebelled against His commands, God nevertheless came to them gently as the God who had given them birth, as it were. And that's the reason. That's the cause for Israel's faithful, joyful, glad service here in the psalm. That's why all the earth is summoned to to praise the Lord, not because of what God had done for the nations around Israel, but because of what He had done for His special people that He had created for His very own. All creation is summoned to to make a joyful noise to the Lord because of God's covenant goodness to His chosen people. There is a symphony of joyous praise that erupts from this psalm on account of the steadfast love and faithfulness of God to His people. And that was something that the nations of the earth had the opportunity to witness. The nations uh, had stood back and they had seen the faithfulness of God to His people in many ways. They had stood back and watched as the Lord showed His His faithfulness to His people, shepherding them lovingly and patiently in the desert as He provided food and shelter and direction and protection. The nations watched as as the Lord stepped in and, and defeated Israel's foes with miracle after miracle. The nations also watched as the Lord disciplined His people, Israel, on account of their sin 
when he appointed enemy nations to capture them and bring them into exile for a time. And there was a period of time when things looked very bleak for God's people, Israel. At the end of the second book of the Psalms, in Psalm 89, there is this cry of desperation, Lord, where is your steadfast love promised of old to our forefathers? But Psalm 100, the third, in, in the third book of the Psalm, answers that cry of desperation. Where is your steadfast love? It's right here where it's always been. The Lord's steadfast love and His mercy never fails. That's what we read in verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. The very nations that God appointed to judge His people for a time stood back in wonder as God kept His promise to Israel and restored her to the promised land a foretaste of God's promise to destroy and defeat all of the enemies of Christ's church, a promise that He would bring all of His people home to their heavenly inheritance. The context of the psalm is God's covenant faithful love to generation after generation of those who fear Him, and that's why Israel could serve the Lord with gladness. That's the cause, that's the reason for Israel's joyful praise because of God's covenant faithfulness shown in keeping His precious flock safe. But what about us? What about us? Can we sing this psalm? After all, we belong to the nations of the earth, the nations that for so long stood back and simply watched the wonders that God performed on behalf of the people of Israel. Do we belong to God's flock? We mustn't forget the wonderful reality that when Jesus came to earth, He brought a great change to how this psalm and its promises are applied. Because when Jesus came to earth teaching and preaching, He declared in John 10, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Dear Christian, you belong to that sheepfold. Even though you and I were not part of the people of Israel, we have been added by the grace of God to that sheepfold. If Jesus Christ has recreated you, if He has given you new spiritual life, then by faith in Him, you are now and forever a living member of the Israel of God. You are members of His church. You and I are truly the sheep of God's pasture, and He is our faithful shepherd. And yes, as sheep, we are vulnerable. We are weak, we are frail, we are often troubled and frightened by the circumstances of life. But the promise of this psalm is that we are now and forever under the care of our great shepherd. And He cares for us in many ways, through His Word, 
through the means of grace, through the under-shepherds, pastors and elders who care for your spiritual needs, through all the blessings that we enjoy every single Lord's Day here together. Your great shepherd cares for you, and he is faithful. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And that's the reason, that's the cause for our joyful service, that our God is our great creator and covenant keeper. That's what motivates us to worship with gladness, the assurance that we are not our own, but we belong, body and soul, to our faithful creator and savior who perfectly tends our needs. For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do rejoice in the, the beautiful, comforting, and assuring message of Psalm 100, a short psalm to be sure, but there is so much here to encourage our hearts as believers. Lord, we thank You that we can offer to You a form of praise that is heartfelt and glad. Our voices can be raised in exuberant praise because You are our faithful covenant-keeping God. And You have, by Your grace, brought us into Your sheepfold. Though at one time we were outside the covenant people of God, looking in from the outside, as it were, You have brought us in by Your grace so that we now know all the blessings of belonging to the family of God. Oh, Lord, that is more than sufficient cause or reason for us to offer You heartfelt, glad worship and service. And so, Lord, may that characterize our lives today and in this coming week as we go forward into the world as Your sheep. May we be known as a people willing and ready to lift our voices in exuberant song to glorify you, our faithful, covenant-keeping God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.